therefore went from $2,000 a month gross cash flow to now over $6,800 a month gross cash flow by buying those, what we would call crappy properties in Gary, Indiana that make a whole lot of money. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, 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 Azria family and our great friends throughout Arizona. Welcome to the Azria Show, where I am Marcus Maloney and my co-host is Mike Del Preet. And today we have some very special investors that are here to share with us on many levels. They have flip properties. They have done turnkey properties. They have buy and holds. They've done hard money lender lending. They have done VRBOs. They have done almost everything. So I want to welcome Sherry and Paul Belios to the show. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing good. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Nice to see you guys. Great, great. Welcome to the show. So again, we just want to have a quick little fireside chat, even though we don't have any fire and we want to talk about real estate investing because that's what everyone is here to do. So just to pre-warn you, we're going to take a couple of breaks because we'll hear a word from our sponsor and we'll talk about our calendar of events updates, but we want to focus on Sherry and Paul, Paul and Sherry on today. Is that okay? Sure. Sounds good. All right. So guys, pre-show, we were talking about investing out of state and they were sharing with us without being a spoiler, they were sharing with us one of the cities that they invest in, which is not too far from my hometown. So we'll talk about that. But before we do that, guys, Give us a brief introduction. Tell us who you are, what you've been doing, and how long have you been doing it? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. So, yeah, we have been living in Arizona for a number of decades now. I come originally from California, and Sherry? From Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And yeah, we, I don't know, we've been just middle class, uh, hardworking people. I'm a software developer mm-hmm. by trade. I've been working about 40 years in that in that field. And Sherry is a nurse, registered nurse. And, you know, just living ordinary lives. But then at one point we realized we're going to need to start generating more cash. For example, our kids were growing up and they needed college funds. They need to be able to go to college. So how do we do that as making money, but also having very large debt, a lot of credit card debt, car loans, all the standard stuff. And uh, we, we decided to try to get into investing. And I fiddled around a little bit with stock investing for about a year. That did not work very well for me. So we shifted gears and found a beginner class on real estate investing and it's all been gravy overall since then. <laughs> so so was it, when you say a beginner's class was like a course you bought or was it like a networking? No, yeah, it was a networking group here in the Phoenix area and put on by a, a real estate, a realtor, Barbara, yep. who uh, you know, Mike, because mm-hmm. I remember you at those meetings. So. <laughs> we met you there. Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure if that was the one. We've right? known Mike for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah when I, I met Marcus there. Is that where we yeah. met? Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely. Was, it was great. It was like every, once a month, every Saturday. Um, a lot of great connections. Yeah, yep. yeah, it was a great class to get started in. And I, I love that there's such a variety of classes, beginner and advanced classes that are freely available for the most part. There is a small fee with Azria meetings, but it's well worth it, yeah. in our opinion. We're premium members and probably will be for decades to come. Awesome. 
because awesome. it's, it's so valuable, all the info we get from Azra. So, so, so when you chose real estate investing, so what was going on right there? So stocks, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't working for you guys. So who came up with the idea to go to this first meeting? What should I tell the original story? The first property we ever bought, oh. <laughs> which is the, it's the worst <laughs> investment we ever did, but you have right. to get started somewhere. Right. So we, Absolutely. we hadn't really been going to classes. Okay. But I made a ton of money from selling my house. See, when Sherry and I got married, it was right at the top of the Peak. bubble. Mm-hmm. Remember the bubble in 2005, I guess? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so we didn't need two houses. So we moved in together in Sherry's house. Mm-hmm. I sold my house and literally made $108,000 cash without knowing anything about real estate investing. Yeah. Well, when you have $108,000 sitting in your checking account, you just keep staring at it. You're like, I probably, I guess I'm supposed to invest this or something. So you start trying to do things with investing without knowing what you're doing a lot of times. And we didn't have the guidance of Azria, didn't know how to do that, get involved with that. So we just got hooked up with some people that had a fourplex for sale. So we bought a fourplex way overpriced. See, we didn't know what we were doing and it was at the top of the bubble basically. So we bought that. It was almost break-even cash flow. It was so expensive. Mm -hmm. So as long as all four units were rented, we were kind of breaking even maybe a hundred dollars a month cash flow. And then of course, then the bubble burst and the prices all went down on all the properties. And I thought, well, that's okay. as long as rents stay good, then I can keep this going for a long time until the prices go back up. But rents did not stay good oh. because the property prices dropped so much, investors would buy the fourplexes nearby us for almost half the price. They would, to get tenants, they would put lower rent. Mm-hmm. And so fix all them of, up. And yeah, fix, fix them, them up. up and have lower rent. <laughs> so all of our tenants were going over there. So now we don't have tenants, see? So yeah. then we ended up having to short sell that property. Which was a very interesting experience. It's it's a scary thought as a middle class person to have to let go of a property and lose money. We lost a lot of money on that, but it was money that we had artificially made in a sense. So it wasn't actually our money that was lost. It was some of that hundred thousand that we had. So so emotionally it was very painful. But the funny thing is that after it was all done and we we started thinking about it and realized first of all. It, it put a dent on our credit only for like five years or something like that. <laughs> and then, three. yeah, a <laughs> short sell falls off after just a few years, and then your credit is fine after that. That's good. Also, there was nothing illegal about what we did. Mm-hmm. You can't predict the future. Right. If you have to take a loss on a property, that's just a financial thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to go to jail or anything. So right. that was unbelievable. So. So it was a painful experience, but once we got through it and I learned more about real estate investing and how you actually analyze a property, we went back and analyzed that deal and I found all the things we did wrong, all the signs that we should not have bought that property. Share one of the signs with us. Well, so I built my own spreadsheet and everybody can do this Uh of how you know whether the property is going to be a good deal. Will it cash flow for you properly? And it has to do with the amount of money you're bringing to it, the price of the property, and you start looking at what all the expenses are, like what are my holding costs? What is mm-hmm. it gonna cost to operate this property? And compare that to the rents, what rent can I get? And then the, the rents minus the expenses is actually the cash I get to keep every right. month. So how does that cash I get to keep every month compare to the amount of money I brought to buy that property? See, mm-hmm. so that you start looking at those ratios and things like that. If, and you start looking and saying, if 
rents go down, how much damage is that for me? Right. So if I'm making a hundred dollars a month, well then if rents go down a hundred a month, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. But if I'm cash flowing four or five hundred dollars a month, that's way better. You can afford now to have rents go down a little. Not that that has happened any time in the recent past, yeah. but back then that was a thing, right? When the bubble was mm -hmm. bursting for a number of years, we had rents go down and then level off. So make sure so, you have a, no I'm sorry. So it sounds like in your spreadsheet, you were calculating things like the internal rate of return, things like that. So it's good because not everybody would do that. They will look at their losses, lick their wounds and say, okay, well, this wasn't for me. Let me get back to what I know to right. do. And that's be a nurse and be a software engineer, yeah. you know, but she said, Hey, this is something that we still need to do because we still need to make sure we have passive income coming in. Yeah. We just got to learn this a little bit better. Right. And we did. And we yeah, did. exactly. And then we went on and were successful after that. Right after that, That's the prices right. started to drop. So we were able mm -hmm. to pick up a couple properties when the prices were really low. Yeah. And one of the uh, things that we used, one of the vehicles we used was our self-directed IRA. It was a 401k that we rolled into a self-directed IRA. And we had learned about these through the classes that we had been going to. And we were able to pick up a property cash. I think it was like 74000 something like that, mm -hmm. in Gilbert. Wow. Gilbert wasn't the thing that it is now. Yeah. And uh, I think the first rent was like 950 a month, something 900, 950 a month. It was a little two bedroom, two bathroom, didn't need that much work. And uh, we still have that property now. Mm -hmm. And now uh, I, we just raised the rent to 1450 so, a month. So you took your money from your your career, right? You had the 401k. So uh -huh. Was right. it also the part of the 100000 that you made from your selling your No, that was separate. That. Oh, yeah. no, that was separate. Okay. Right. Got yeah. So you went to the IRA. Mm hmm. And then you got the Gilbert property. Then what right. did you do next? Right. And then we had a little bit left over in the IRA. And then a couple of years later, we looked and all of a sudden we had a pile of money because we'd been collecting rents. Mm -hmm. So we yeah, you can't exactly spend the money in your IRA. Yeah, you you have to wait yes, until you get the So So you just ignore it. And all of a sudden you have a big number sitting right. in there from all the cash flow. So we turned around and we bought another property. And this one is way in East Mesa. It was at that time, it was really the edge of town. It was not everything was built. They were starting to build a few homes out there. And it was the edge, it was the edge of growth. Mm -hmm. It was the ed edge of town. Yeah. And now, seven years later. I mean, it's just it's exploded, yeah. exploded out there. I did, we did get a loan on that property in our self-directed IRA. You can get loans inside your self-directed IRA. You have to bring IRA. in more money, which is fine. Can you explain that? Like, uh, you have to go to certain banks. They're non-recourse yeah. loans that you can get on self-directed IRAs. A hundred thousand in your IRA. <laughs> and then what, what do you mean you get a loan, right? So, you get a mortgage. So you, yeah, you're you get getting a mortgage. a mortgage on the property. So okay. they lien the property like yeah. a normal mortgage. bank, normal mortgage. And yeah, they, they'll loan you the 70% of the value, let's say. So, we, so we're bringing a down payment of 30%, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And yeah, you, you, and then you just, within your IRA, you just pay the mortgage yeah. each mm -hmm. month, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Oh. So you just have to calculate it in as part of your holding costs now. So you get a little less cash flow, but mm -hmm. in a way you get a better return on your money because you've only had to bring 30%, yeah. not 100% of the money for that property. Mm -hmm. So you got a little leverage on that property. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's neat. Okay. That's, so that's how we got started. So the tenant pays your mortgage and it goes straight into your IRA. And right. And you cut the bank, the payment from your IRA. That's oh, right. Yeah. Never, there you go. Tenant yeah. pays the rent and then yeah. we pay the mortgage. Got it. Got right. it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. You have to, you treat your IRA. See what it is. You'll have an LLC set up, which you don't own. Mm -hmm. The custodian technically owns it. Who's managing your IRA uh, for you, but you are the manager of that LLC. So you have a checking account in that LLC's name. So it's sort of like you're a scientist working with those, like the secret container with gloves, you know, gotcha. you can operate the thing inside the box, but you're not allowed to pull but it out of the box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what you're doing. You're grabbing the money, you're buying properties, you're selling, you're doing whatever you need to do as an investor, mm -hmm. but you literally can't spend any of that money on yourself. Mm -hmm. And then someday when we retire, <laughs> yep. then we can now get to the money, but it has to go out through the custodian back to, back you. to you. Because I really wear two hats. I'm a employee who hopes the custodian will manage my money good for my retirement. Mm -hmm. Oh, but they loaned it to, to this LLC, which I manage. So I'm also a manager of a bunch of funds that aren't mine. I really wear those two hats. Gotcha. It's a funny, funny thing, but many, many people do this so that you oh, can yeah. invest in your IRA and mm -hmm. let it build. And our return has been much better than the stock market or anything else. Plus we have the advantage of, as we learn more and learn more about how to invest, how to leverage things, how to do things with less risk, more benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, as we get better at what we do, you can make more money. You can have a better return which I never felt that kind of control with the stock market. Right. I feel like all the inside things I need to know to do a better job, that's called insider trading. Same. And I get to go to jail. <laughs> if I yeah. do that. So yeah. we, that doesn't happen in real estate. We also went on to flip a few houses uh -huh. at that time. The market was ripe at that time. And we did that. We made money on them. I actually wish I would have kept every one of those houses I flipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome yeah. to the club. <laughs> right, right. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, we were going to, Probably by that time, we joined Azria, which is mm -hmm. a great organization because of the relationships that you meet the people in there and they're the real deal. There's some, you mm -hmm. know, there's some investors that have been in there a long time and they know what they're doing and mm -hmm. they're happy to share with you what they've learned and, and where to go or share their connections. Yeah. Oh, here, you know, you need a plumber, mm -hmm. use this guy. Yeah. You need an electrician, use this guy. Oh, I know a guy that's got hail damaged AC units, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you put one of those on your rentals. They work just fine. <laughs> You know, yeah. I also, we also did some flipping out of state and the first thing. So I, Sherry, before we get into that, because that's going to, yeah. that's going to be something that we really want to want to look at. Let's hear a brief word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we want to talk about some of the long distance flipping because flipping out of state, that's not easy. <laughs> and I'm in the midst of one right now. So I'm definitely going to pick your brain. So let's hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk about that. This episode of the Azria Show is brought to you by Azria Business Associate, Zona Law Group. Zona Law Group handles numerous real estate matters with a focus on landlord-tenant law in Arizona. For more information, visit their site at zona.law. All right. And we are back with Paul and Sherry Bellios that have been doing some creative things here with their IRAs, flipping turnkey properties buying holds, almost everything. But right now we want to talk about flipping out of state. How do you guys do it? Why do you guys do it? Well, we decided to start flipping out of state because the property prices were a lot lower. 
And um, we had the money to do that, or I'm not sure if we used hard money on that one or not, but we, we had the we had the funds to do it and we started yeah, we doing used it. our own cash, I believe. I think different. So, so, okay. So you guys were you had your career started uh, in real estate investing, you did the flips, you had some holds, but you mentioned so what time frame was this about? This was 2016 when I went out of state to flip or 2015. So you started to notice the prices in Phoenix yeah. at that time increasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So so now you you notice that out of state, you maybe get more for your money, something along right. those lines, right? You could buy the houses a lot mm-hmm. cheaper. So okay. what I did at first was I looked up the area RIAs in the state that I was in Mm -hmm. and I started calling them Mm -hmm. and I started calling around and then I got a realtor and I got some investors. I found out when the investor meetings were and I lined my trip up for those investor meetings. And from there, I just stood up and told them who I I was. I'm from Phoenix. I'm I'm Sherry. I'm looking for this type of property. I'm here to flip and Mm -hmm. here's my card, you know, and and it just went on from there. So So you knew what you wanted. Oh yeah. I knew what I wanted. It's very important, right? So sometimes when you're starting off or you don't know. You, there, it's so easy to get lost in real estate with all the shiny objects, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you went to out of state. What was your goal out of state? What were you trying? To- we bought two single-family residences, and fixed them up and flipped them. Mm-hmm. You find out a lot about the areas also when you go to the RIA meetings. You know, that's that's what I was going to ask you, Sherry. So, what market did you go into, and why did you decide to go into that market? Well, single-family homes because we had flipped a whole bunch of them Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I knew what I was doing. I knew how I could pick my crews. I knew where to go to find my crews. And this was in Albuquerque. Yeah. Okay. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Gotcha. And I did that. And I'd go out there every two weeks, you know, I'd spend two weeks out there, crack the whip a little bit and then come back two weeks there, come back, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and every state's different on how they do things and their closings are different and their title companies are different and you Mm -hmm. learn it. Mm -hmm. And we made a little money there. And then I ended up coming back here. I I think you were between jobs too. So you were still nursing that. Yeah. Oh no, I was in, yeah, I was in between jobs. I'd Uh burn out of my nursing job and then I do real estate for a little while. And then it came time where I need a little bit of my money. So we'd go back, I'd go back to nursing, kicking and screaming, I might add, (laughs) (laughs) burn out of that job. And then, you know, and and then quit and then do, you know, do real estate. You know, the last job was really difficult for me to quit. That was over a year ago. I had a six figure job and it was the best job I ever had in my career. I was traveling and, oh, you know, they sent me to conferences and everything. And I just, I really burnt out at the end. It was just, you know, they kept on having layoffs. I had 10 different bosses inside of three years. And it was like, I just want to run my own business. I don't want to punch any more clocks. I don't want to have to count my vacation days. If I have to go, I got to go. So I left that job and I, just been doing a little bit of contract work right now and very little right now because our business has gotten so busy that, you know, sometimes I just have to pick up and go, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got two houses under contract here and, you know, sometimes I have to run down and see them. My realtor will call me up and say, Hey, Sherry, you better come down and see these. I'm like, okay, I'm down there. You know, okay, we got it under contract, you know, let's go, you know, we got it under contract. Okay. I got to set up the contractors. Let's go, you know, and set those all up to get the um, inspections done. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's really good to, have a really good team also. You know, a really good realtor really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, really makes a difference. And these particular properties, I had bid on one property and it was an investor. Was this out of state? This is this is here in, in okay. the Arizona. Okay. Okay. And um I had bid on a property and it was an investor property. And my realtor and the other realtor clicked and they ended up giving me the backup offer 
But then she said, hey, I've got another property over here that this investor wants to sell. So we went to that property. And when we walked into that, right before we walked into that property, the other realtor handed my realtor five off off market properties that were going to be going on the market. Wow. <laughs> two of which I took. We took, we got <laughs> yeah. under contract or one, one or two, anyways, whatever it is. So, you know, it really helps to have really professional people. And my realtor knows investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and, and her know, husband are investors. They're investors as well as they own a number of properties too. So that's it's very, very key when you have an investor friendly realtor that understands investing because now you guys can, you guys can talk magic basically right. yeah. <laughs> you know you can they talk numbers they right they get it they understand and not every realtor is like that so it's good that you guys were able to find that realtor and then when you have two realtors that mesh and connect together you know that's that's more magic so and that's how you got the you know the other off market deals and right. things like that so that's that's truly amazing. So, so going forward, what was next? What did you do? Where kind of, what were you guys doing? You did some properties out in New Mexico, came back to Arizona, you were doing some flipping and things like that. So now you're really immersed into the real estate Mm -hmm. industry here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. What was next after that? Because I know you guys have buy and holds and things like that. So what was next? Well, we, um, had downsized our house and we live in a really lovely area and there was a second story on our house with a bedroom and a bathroom, a large bedroom and a large bathroom. And it just came to me, I can turn this into a vacation rental. So I blew out the closet, uh, the walk-in closet. I put in a mini kitchen and we blew out the door into the garage. So there's a separate entrance and well, bam, we started an Airbnb, which was quite profitable up until COVID and then we shut mm-hmm. it down for COVID because yeah, we had the part same, of our house. It's part of our house because we <laughs> so have the same the ventilation same system. system. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and that, that was really great. We're about getting ready. We're about ready to get that going up and going again. We're going to yeah. do monthly rentals now because it's a lot of work to do VRBOs. It's fun, yeah. but you know, it's a lot of work. You know, I mean, I had my phone by my bed for, I figured it out for five years overnight and it sat by my bed because at that time, you know, people could, from the other side of the country would call you or, or different countries. And, you know, the time difference was mm-hmm. there and, you know, I'd have to answer it because you had your, you had to answer within one hour to keep your star rating right, up. And right. mm-hmm. anyway, so that was a very profitable thing and we're getting ready to start that up again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. A one bedroom, one bath furnished unit like that through the vacation rental sites, websites, you can get a thousand a month, easy, 15. maybe 12. 1200 1500 a month even mm-hmm. that's a lot that's of extra cash because you already are paying the mortgage on your own house mm-hmm. you already are paying for the electricity the internet the cable whatever all that stuff water so the electricity only goes up a tiny bit when you have extra people there yeah. tiny bit of extra water wow. really not that much so the expenses are very low when you look at it as a rental it's amazing. It's really, really valuable to do it that so way. You turn your own home into a cash flowing property yeah. where it nearly Absolutely. pays the mortgage. Yeah. You know, I love it. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about the, let's go back. Yeah. Into the so yeah, just as, as part of the networking with Azria and other meetings in the Valley, we met a experienced investor who was fixing properties in Gary, Indiana and putting them on the market, you know, marketing them to other uh, investors as turnkey rentals. So yeah, he was doing this over and over again. And when I ran the numbers, it, they're some of the best cash flow I've ever seen. 
because the properties are not that expensive in many of these Midwest towns. What was the price range at that time? So around that time, it was about 40 to 45K mm -hmm. for a completely revamped, revitalized single family home. It might be three bedroom, one bath, somewhere mm -hmm. in that area, three bedroom, two bath. And a lot of these have basements too, mm -hmm. back East. And so, yeah, so you're buying it for about 45K, let's say all in. And then the cash flow at the time, I mean, the the rents coming in were, gosh, it was something like 650 or something back at the time, 650, 700, 700 yeah. something like that. So it was really quite good. Since then, of course, the price has gone up and the rents have gone up too. Yeah. So it's still really good cash flow. The, the key reason that I was okay buying these, because a the big thing I worry about is management company. Right. Who's going to manage this property? I can't be running over there and making sure everything is going exactly. right. See, because you when you have a management company, you kind of need to manage the managers, at least keep an eye on them, mm -hmm. make sure everything is going reasonable over there. So this, this individual is the guy who set all this up. Okay. He created a management company so this investor has set up his own management company that does a better job than any other management company I've ever seen. He's thought through a lot of interesting problems that many management companies suffer from, like how to get the tenants to do the right things with the property mm -hmm. uh, and not constantly call with issues, but right. have an ability to solve issues themselves and you know be able to repair things on a regular basis, like cleaning the gutters, because if you don't, then the water runs down the side of the house and leaks into the basement, basement. things like that. Foundation so, issues. Yeah. So yeah. He, he like found root solutions to many of the problems and he makes the management company do that. It's his own management company. So it's a genius idea. And I was so impressed that we decided with the cash flow combined with a really good management company, we want to buy some, some of those properties. So we've bought a number so of those. Going, you know, out of state. So I would say a property manager is one of your key components right so yeah. you got and you bought them turnkey and and just because it says be careful out there is what i would say to people just because someone says they're a turnkey provider doesn't mean the house is remodeled <laughs> right 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 uh, yeah so so well i did drive out there also okay. to look at the neighborhood the properties just awesome. to check the place out talk to some people in the area there okay. in indiana it's kind of the similar things to what sherry did but on a smaller scale. I was only there a couple of days, but yeah, so I got a lot of info just firsthand there, but that's the only trip we've ever made out there. And that was many awesome. years ago. So. so Paul, did you drive? No, he flew there out there. <laughs> All right. I flew out there. Yeah. That would I be drove a pretty, my rental car. pretty yeah. long drive. We had yeah. to tell him what we had done in Indiana. At this time we had owned a really lovely home in Sedona. Sedona, okay. Arizona, and it was paid for. It was cash, and we were getting $2,000 a month rent on this lovely home in Sedona, and we would go in between tenants and mm -hmm. fix the place up and spend a weekend or a couple weeks there, which was really kind of fun, but we decided that, you know, this house was worth about $450,000. We thought we could get better returns with that $450,000. So what we did, we just did this last year in July, we did a 1031 exchange. So we sold that property for $450,000 and we turned Wait, around. Let's let's not gloss over. Explain to us what a 1031 exchange is. For a 1031 exchange is that you can sell your property and then you have to buy like properties for the same amount or more and you do not get capital gains tax on go. the money that you mm -hmm. uh, that yep. you made, yeah. which would have been over $200,000 that we would have had to pay taxes on. Mm -hmm. So we therefore, we sold that property, 1031'd it, 
and uh, we bought eight properties in Indiana with the proceeds from the uh, sale of the Sedona home. So we therefore went from $2,000 a month gross cash flow to now over $6,800 a month gross cash flow by buying those what we would call crappy properties in yep. Gary, Indiana that make a whole lot of money. So yeah, we're really grateful been fixed for up. To, we're to be very, for very renters. grateful for it. Yeah. Now, if I want to go to Sedona, I'll go rent myself a nice Airbnb. And yeah. I don't have to worry about the roof. Yeah, you <laughs> take, the, take the, had the tenants to pay for it. The money right. you make from the tenants, go and uh, get some time in, in Sedona. And that's very, very smart, what you, what you said right there, Sherry. Shirley, I'm sorry. You saw the income potential on the property in Sedona. And you say, you know what? We can maximize this. We could do a little bit better than what we're doing. And you basically tripled it quadrupled it, you know, in one transaction, being smart about what to do with your money. So kudos to you guys for that, because that's that's very smart. And I always tell people, because a lot of people always say, okay, well, well, where are you making your money at in real estate? And I always tell them, you know, the Rust Belt, the Midwest, you guys are doing things in Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Mike is doing things in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm doing things in Illinois and the Chicago market. So we take the money from Phoenix that that we're making and we say, okay, well, we'll deploy it where we can get a better return. And you guys are doing the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. kudos to you guys for doing that. And there's a lot of learning lessons here. 1031, yep. the IRA, yep. what we call now house hacking, what we are doing with Airbnb <laughs> to help goes towards your mortgage and profit. Right. You guys are doing it all. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we try to do things right, which is that we set aside some money for reserves mm-hmm. because we know that houses break down just like anything. You're going to need to be able to do repairs in the future and so forth. So we allocate that money ahead of time so that when that happens, we're not, we don't just have a worse and worse property we're trying to find a renter for. We actually try to keep our properties in good shape going forward because I don't want to just rent it for five or 10 years. I want to rent these properties the rest of my life yes. and I want them to cash flow good. I want to do the right thing for my family, but also the right thing for the tenants, mm-hmm. right thing for the neighborhood. It's Great. it's basically the win-win principle. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's very powerful. So two things there. One, so a portion of the rent, the CapEx is what we may call it. Right. 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 So, uh-huh. so you put a portion Capital away. Expenses. Yep. You put that away. And then a, good, a question I get a lot is how much net do you look for after your mortgage or your NOI or whatever it is, what, what's your, your number that you'd like to have for property? Okay. So, yeah. So we say must cash flow no less than $300 per unit. Okay. So typically these are single family homes counts as one unit. Mm-hmm. So no less than $300 a month of the cash flow after all expenses, including after the mortgage, yes. see, all, all expenses. And then we just look at that number times 12 for how much cash flow we're going to get so per three, year. 300 is your number. Three, so 300 minimum times okay. 12. And then you look at what is that ratio of that number to how much cash you brought to it, to the deal? That's your ROI, your return mm-hmm. on investment. So my ROI as a percentage, I want it to be 10% or better. Got it. So now we sometimes will buy a property at lower than 10% maybe nine or 8%, but really not much less than that. Because what you're saying is, look, I'm bringing a bunch of money to buy this property. How how many years is it going to take for me to get all my cash back out of this thing? So if you can get a 10% ROI, then it will take 10 years to get all your money back. Well, you still own the house, you still Mm -hmm. own the property, but you got all your money literally out after that 10-year point. So if you have too low an ROI, it'll take 20, 30 years to get all your money out. You don't want that. See, so my view is I want it to cash flow now. 
and hopefully values go up over time. And then I can utilize that extra equity that builds in these properties. So I can either sell the property or uh, refi. If there's a mortgage, I can refinance the mortgage. But what we found very powerful is don't touch any of that. Just get a HELOC on the property. That's a home equity line of credit. Mm -hmm. yep. This is literally like a checkbook amount of credit that you can use then to buy other properties. It's like cash because mm -hmm. you can pull it out of the line of credit up to whatever limit they give you and then use it to buy another property quickly. So now you can be cash. the all cash investor yeah. Yeah. You're that you see other people do. Now you can do that. And you're pulling out HELOCs out on the rentals. It's funny because me and my wife was just having this conversation yesterday because we were, because, you know, right now everybody is like, okay, let's refinance and everything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But uh, we're like, well, our interest rate is already pretty low when we bought the house. So why would we refinance? Yeah. And then I was telling her, I was like, look, we could do a HELOC. And so now that's, that's one of the things that we're looking at so we can buy more properties back East. So yeah. you guys just really confirmed what me and my wife was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, Thank you, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've got good equity in a property because you've owned it for a number of years, yeah, absolutely. You can borrow a certain amount. Is it like 75% of the- It's 80% depending on the bank you go Depends to. Depends on the bank. 80% 80, 80 yeah. on your personal loan. I believe it's 70% on the investment properties. Oh, okay. And then what we do is we pull the cash with the HELOC, buy them cash, and then we turn around and refinance them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, okay. I'm getting a loan- on another property that I'm going to be closing on in June, that we're going to be closing on in mm -hmm. June for 3.25%. Yeah. So it's just crazy low, you know, yeah. and the ROI isn't real great on that one right now, but we know because we go to the ASRIA meetings and we listen to all of the teaching, we know that Phoenix is growing and we have other properties that'll cover if there are any expenses, yeah. you know, it kind of becomes one big bucket, sort of, except for the IRA ones that can kind of cover it. If one's, you know, making more money and one isn't, you know, that can kind of cover it mm -hmm. because we know that mm -hmm. the prices are going to be going up. And then what we'll do is probably, well, we don't know, sell one and then pay off the mortgage, depending on what the, mm -hmm. what the tax, what the tax yeah. is. And that might sound a little risky to buy the property all cash and then refinance it after. The danger is what if you can't get the bank to refinance mm -hmm. it, see? Mm -hmm. uh, because you can't hold that money out forever like right. that. So, so we have a really good relationship with our banker who has all of our finances, yes. all our information. Yes. So he'll literally tell us how many more mortgages right. can we get? We ask him that in between each one. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's saying like, oh yeah, you can get like five or six more of these. Good. Okay. I'll get one more yeah. <laughs> and then ask you again. Yeah. So I go to my to banker, sure. I talk to him and I have all of the files that he needs beforehand. Yeah. And because we've done it so many times. We've done it so many times. He's got all the files in front of him. So then when we close on the property, the cash, I turn around and the next day, give him the settlement statement and he starts on the refi. And that's okay. very, very important because and no matter how you acquire hard money, cash, HELOC, that's the number one thing I, I would say is you have to be in line with the lender and letting them know what you're about to do. Yeah. So you, you got to know their loan terms. Some, like you said, some banks will only, you know, cash out 60%, 70%, 80%. So you got to know how much you're getting back. Right. That's right. And, you, mm -hmm. Yeah. You might so you've got to do the deal. spreadsheet both ways. Yep. Yep. Short term, what is it going to look like with the HELOC and then long term with the mortgage? Shop around. Yeah. You know, don't don't go by what the first banker will tell you. Yeah. Shop around. Talk to a lot of lenders. Yeah. So, you, so you guys were really what they call now is the burst strategy. Yeah. You were buying, renovating, renting, and then refinancing, getting all of your money right back. So right. great strategy. 
great strategy. So Cheryl, I see you kind of dipping and bobbing your head. So what do you got to say? Well, you know, we don't want to call a cut it too thin. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to have the profits so that if the market goes up Mm -hmm. or the market goes down, it doesn't matter that the profits are going to be there. Right. You know, because I think, well, we're at the point where we're almost at the end of our working career. You know, we don't want to take any big hits right now. Mm -hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, Paul's going to be hopefully retiring by the end of the year. Awesome. Which is from his from his W-2 job. And then we can just. Um, do real estate, which is really a big thing for us because we Mm -hmm. didn't expect it for a couple more years. And uh, so that's really a big yay for us. Great. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we're going to be doing. But what we did to get there was mm -hmm. we flipped a property and we flipped this property and- Where was it at? This was last year. This this was, yeah, this was in Tucson. We flipped a property in Tucson. Okay. And in the meantime, the prices kept going up, 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 up. We were going to originally wrap it because we got a really low interest rate, but the prices kept on going up. And I said, Paul, hey, do you realize that if we sell this property, we could pay off all our debt? We paid off both of our cars. We paid off all the little bit of credit card debt that we had. And boom, we're te- we're, we're debt free now. So we just had a, a conversation with our accountant yesterday and said, look, a lot of our properties are in the IRAs. We're not 59 and a half yet. He's not 59 and a half yet. We're going to get the 10% hit. Can you absorb that? Because mm-hmm. we've got a really good tax attorney. And then he started, you know, shuffling the numbers yep. and throwing out all these great terms. Well, you've got this depreciation, that depreciation. If you take this property out or that property out, and by the end of it, we're like, okay, I think we can, you know, I there think, I think we can do this. Yeah. I think okay. we can do this. So, yay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's get a quick calendar break in. And then when we come back, we'll wrap up and we'll see what you guys are doing now and give us some insight on, you know, for somebody just getting started or a a seasoned investor that's looking to pivot and transition to something new, we want to get some insights from you guys. So let's take a quick break, hear our calendar of events, and we will be right back. Here's a quick update on Asria's upcoming events. This weekend, we will be having the Build Your Wholesale Business step-by-step two-day training. Registration closes tonight, so register soon. Thursday, August 19th, we're having our notes subgroup. Tuesday, August 24th is the Phoenix Real Estate Club, and Wednesday, August 25th is the Fix and Flip subgroup. For more information and to register, visit azria.org calendar. A supporter of today's Azria show is Azria Business Associate, Boomerang Capital Partners. They're coined as the best flipping lender, providing financing solutions to help fund your next fix and flip project. For more information, visit boomerangcapital.com. All right. We are back. Thank you so much. We are here with Paul and Shirley, and we are talking about everything under the sun when it comes to real estate investing. So before we end our show on today, let's get some words of inspiration from you guys being real estate investors and doing this. What would you tell someone that's looking to get started or Well, let's start there. Someone that's looking to get started. What would you tell them to do? Sure. Okay. So most people, the biggest obstacle you have is your own understanding of money and how and what is dangerous and what is not dangerous, like how risk works. All of us started out poor or middle class, typically, who are struggling with this stuff. You've got to find a way 
to think how money actually works, how rich people think about money. One of the most powerful ways to learn that is to read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm -hmm. by Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. That is the greatest book. I've read it about 10 times now. Yep. And I even uh, was running a meetup uh, for a while last year where we would read one chapter a week and then talk about it in our little meetup on Wednesday nights. So uh, it's a very powerful book to help you break out of the thought process of the misunderstandings we have as middle-class people about money. You've got to break out of that and get over your fear of losing money, for example, and understand that there is additional risk to real estate investing that you're not used to, but many experienced people are willing to talk to you about how they get around those risks. What do they do to reduce the risk, to look for the signs of too much risk and so forth? And like, how do you have a spreadsheet that guides you away from the danger, dangerous properties, let's say. So yeah, just over time, you learn what to do and how to get around those problems. And you've got to get over the emotional obstacle of the fear of pulling the trigger, signing those papers, buying that first yeah. property. That is the hardest thing to agree to buy this first rental property because yeah. there's a lot of money on, on the line, yeah. really. Over time, you'll also become more tolerant of money, numbers, the size of the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I got started, $1,000, that's a lot of money. Right. You're telling me I would buy something in a $100,000 range? That's mm -hmm. unbelievable amounts of money. Well, now I'm like, if I have $10,000, $20,000 that I'm moving between accounts, that's just normal everyday mm -hmm. stuff for me. I don't think about it very much. We regularly wire you know, money in amounts over $200,000. So just depending on what you're doing, right? right so right. you get used to it over time and you know what the right way to do things is. What is a safe way to send a wire? You know, you cross check with the other bank, all of the numbers, even though you know it's the right place mm -hmm. to send the money, you literally call them and ask them again for the numbers and check what you have is right. And then you do the wire, Right. things like that. So little right. tricks that you learn. Yeah. And I just love that that real estate investors are happy to talk about what they do and to give you encouragement in this. This is the greatest environment. Like a lot of the movies and TV shows we watch is very like, like the rich guy is hiding all his secrets mm -hmm. or he's going to take everybody's money. All these like completely ridiculous over the top yeah. things. It's not like that at all in my experience personally. Real estate people love to talk about what they do and give you tips and tricks. You can ask questions yeah. and they're they're giving you real information. It's we, neat. We usually like all of us have been helped by someone else when we started. So yeah. it's like it's just like a natural pro <laughs> you know, we, I finally realized yeah. that people are not in competition. Right. They're here to actually work together. You can make more money working together mm -hmm. than separate. Mm -hmm. So why would you be in competition with someone else? That's not it's not a thing in real estate. Yeah, wealth right. is a team sport. Yeah, yes. it really is. What I would say uh, to a beginner is go to as many of the meetings that you possibly can to get as much information as you possibly can. You know, hang around with the like-minded people. You know, ask the ones that are successful, how did you do it? You know, wh what are you doing now? Who did you use? Who's your banker? You know, who's mm -hmm. your contractor? You know, and uh, make friends with the people because actually, well, we have a lot of investor friends and it's really, it's yeah. really neat. The other thing, you know, I do want to say is that real estate is not a get rich quick business. It hasn't it been really for isn't. us. Yeah. It's something that builds over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mm -hmm. might get a home run and make a hundred thousand on one property. 
you know, that that's great, but that doesn't happen all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a get rich quick, quick business. It, it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds over time. You know, and, and you're going to have some losses. You know, we've we've taken our hits. We've taken a number of hits. Mm-hmm. But overall, you know, when I look back at it over the last 15 years, if I would have just kept putting my money in my 401k and Paul the same thing, you know, we'd still be working until we're 65. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're looking at retiring at the end of this year and just right. doing real estate, mm-hmm. which we're really looking forward to. That's great. Yeah. Don't so. be afraid to ask for help. And if you do have any kind of setback, analyze it once you... Like for me, I try to get over the emotional pain of it first mm-hmm. and then go back with my mind and analyze it. What did I do wrong? Or ask somebody with more experience, hey, could you look at my spreadsheet? This this literally didn't work out. What did I? What are we mm-hmm. doing wrong? Sometimes it'll turn out there's more than one thing. So you can learn a tremendous amount that way. And then those are all things that like mistakes you may never make again because you're organized enough to analyze it fix your spreadsheets, and then things are good after that. So it it only gets better over time. The cash flow gets better and better. Reasons that we thought that we were talking about Paul retiring this year was we went to one of our friends, our investor friends, and told him Paul's burnt out. He needs to, you know, we need to, we, we need to, he needs to retire. We want to retire. He's working full time. He's doing all the books on 19 properties. It's just getting to be too much. And the investor turned around and said to us, how much money is Paul going to make in the next four years when you plan to retire? And we told him the number. He goes, don't you think you could make that amount of money doing real estate in the next couple of years? And it was like it just hit us right between the eyes. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If we had all our time and all our energy to do that. Mm-hmm. If That's we had right. all our time and energy. The other thing the other thing is goals. We set goals for ourselves. We know where we wanted to be by the end mm-hmm. of 2025. And we set goals for ourselves this year. I think it was what seventeen hundred more cash flow a month. We needed to make seventeen hundred dollars more cash flow a month this year, mm-hmm. and then next year it's you know whatever it is the next year and the next Gross. year and the next yeah. year, so that your curve is always going up. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Yeah. Analyze what your expenses are to live your life. It only takes so much money for you to live your life mm-hmm. the way it is now, mm-hmm. and that number is different for everybody. So sit down and figure out what your monthly expenses are, but then add in any annual expenses. Divide by 12, right, to get a monthly portion. Mm -hmm. Any six monthly, you know, maybe car insurance, maybe pay it twice a year. So you divide that by six, things like that. Just figure out, lump it all together and do how much on average am I paying per month just to live my life? Well, guess what? If you can generate that much cash flow, you're out of the rat race. You're done. You never have to work for another person ever again. Mm-hmm. That's where we're we're right at that point now. I don't ever awesome. want to punch another clock again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> ever. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, we really appreciate you you coming in and spending the time with us and educating us on tons of information. We definitely going to want to follow up this conversation in the future and see exactly where you guys are at, how things are going on in Gary, your flips here, things of that nature. So, everyone listening, You know what to do. We're here. Go to asria.org. If you want to get more information, you want to become educated, you want to learn how to flip a house, you want to learn how to be a profitable landlord, you want to learn about note investing, things like that, go to asria.org. You'll meet Paul. You'll meet his wife. You'll meet everyone that you need to meet. You'll meet Mike. You'll meet me. We are real investors that's in there doing deals and 
we're we're freely sharing information just like we're doing on this podcast. So guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being yeah, here. You. And this has we, been fun. Thank you. Fun. <laughs> yep. And we look forward to you guys, you know, seeing you at Ezria events and throughout. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Maybe we can do a deal together. Absolutely. Right. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So Mike and Parton, you got any parting words? No, once again, thanks for, for joining us. We're actually, after this, we're going to be hosting the beginners group all together with uh, Paul and Terry. So yeah. I'm excited to get that going. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, go to Azria.org. We would love to have you to be a part of the family. Thanks for listening to the Azria show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.